friends, and welcome back to Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as we love to call it. It's the show that helps you grow. You know what? It is the show that helps you grow. And today we are joined by Saddleback's new lead pastor, Andy Wood. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be with you, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Now, as, as we were talking about a little bit before, uh, it's different being back in person now instead of on Zoom. We, right. we, we, we had a conversation before on this podcast on Zoom. This is more fun. It I is. Think. It's way <laughs> more fun, fun to be in person. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Andy, we're so excited to have you at Saddleback. It's been this whole big transition process, the season, everything that just went down. So, again, very thankful that um, that you are giving us a portion of your time here to uh, talk with us and uh, to allow... Our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. We're excited for that. Um, so I wanted to ask you. It's been now. It's been about uh, a whole. It's been about what nine days something. <laughs> yes. Since yeah. you uh, since you officially took over the mantle, we saw the passing of the baton, the literal, like the literal engraved yes. baton. <laughs> Um, and one of those pictures, it actually looked like I was trying to grab it out of Pastor Rick's hand. So. <laughs> yeah, you're starting to um, pull yeah. it away. And he After like, the Saturday eh. night service, I looked, I was like, oh, it looks a little bit too much like I'm trying to grab it out of his hand. <laughs> so on Sunday, I was a little bit further off the baton. Yeah, you're like, like I just, you know, loosen up a little bit. I will receive the baton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. It's a shared experience. Yeah. Um, in, our, in our first conversation that we had back in March, you talked about how a discipleship is a, is a journey it is a race and it is a battle. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you, in this whole transition season that you've been in, coming from from June when it was announced through your process of leaving Echo and moving down here and starting up at Saddleback, how have you seen those three areas of what discipleship is Oh, that's play great. Out yeah. In your life? That's a great question. Uh, I would say that it's been all three and yeah. the journey side of it, I think it's been a great opportunity to deepen my faith and trust in yeah. Jesus. And there's, you know, there's been so many components to the process from announcing that we were leaving the church that we had started. And mm -hmm. after being there for 14 years, uh, there's the process of moving our family. Yeah. And in that, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of grief. Uh, and that grief is good. You know, there's a, there's a mourning that comes uh, with leaving something that you love. And so you know, in that we've sensed Jesus journeying with us. I would say also that there's a race, <laughs> there's a <laughs> finish line and a starting line. And uh, in some ways that finish line for Pastor Rick and Kay and yeah. our starting line, uh, it's, you know, at some point it, in that process, it felt like, oh gosh, is this ever going to come to fruition? <laughs> yeah. And that two months uh, felt like a, like a little bit of a slow race. But yeah. then when we got to the end, it felt fast. Yeah. And then, at the same time, there's a lot of uh, battles. And I mm -hmm. would say that a lot of the battles are just mental, you know, trying to keep my mind in the right place, my heart in the right place uh, as we've been preparing for this moment. Yes. Yeah, so so, uh, so in, that, in that preparation piece, speaking of the battle piece, how did you and and how did you and Stacy and your family, how did you process through that stuff? How was it talking through like, here's what's ahead of us. Here's how we must approach it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was very prescripted as much as it was just in the moment trying to respond. Sure. I mean, there were quite a few moments of tears, mm. uh, both mm. with our family and us as we processed the grief together. Um, and then in addition to that, I would say that there also has just been this um, ongoing trying in my time alone with God to unpack what what is it that he's trying to teach me in this season, uh, letting scripture, letting the Holy Spirit kind of drive further into my heart, my mind, the things that he really wants me to, to gain out of this time. Mm. Yeah, that kind of leads to the next thing that we wanted to talk about is just your time with God, that quiet time that you spend with him every day. What, is, what has it been like, your prayer life and your time with him as you've prepared for this, as you've now done this, as you're looking toward all that God has? What has it been like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had some really significant sweet moments in this process mm. that have been like, very clear God's guidance. Mm. Um, there have been times where I felt like God really spoke to me clearly the things I needed to hear when I needed to hear them. Mm -hmm. uh, I will actually be starting this weekend a series on courage yeah. called Uncommon Courage. Yeah. And that series is my journey with courage in this whole process. Uh, the book of Joshua was one that God really used to s speak into my heart. Uh, in particular, there's 
this moment where Joshua is about to kind of step into leadership for the nation of Israel, and God makes it very clear, I've, I've called you, mm-hmm. I've appointed you, I'm the one that made this decision, this wasn't somebody else, that wasn't the elders, it was, it was me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that confidence of, okay, this is God's decision. So there's, there's been a number of moments that I needed to be reminded in my heart, like, God is the one that orchestrated this whole thing. And when we look back on so many of the different pieces along the way, and I know that you got into some of this with Kay, like yeah. talking about there were a lot of God moments. Yeah. Uh, God used that to remind me. So that that time with him, there's been some sweet moments. There have been some times that were just like grueling, mm-hmm. kind of just my own processing. Um, and I think sometimes in your doubt, did I? what did I get myself into sure. did I make the right call? <laughs> and you're like processing all those things I've made a huge mistake <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe the saddleback elders have made a huge mistake. <laughs> but in all that um just processing that I feel like God's met me in that um and it's it's been good it's been mm. I feel like I've grown a whole lot in the last <laughs> six months in this journey Oh my goodness! I'm sure I, I I could only imagine. But as you said, we're we're so excited that this is the journey that that uh, God has laid out. That those you know, has there been a mistake? No, there hasn't been. <laughs> we're in a good place, so we're so we're everybody's really excited for that. I wanted to ask we um, something that you said during the commissioning weekend when you were sharing your points in in your charge for the church. You brought up this idea about Jesus being the hero of the story. And then mm-hmm. you mentioned it again at Night of Worship. Right. And that was one of my favorite things to hear. Mm-hmm. And it, it just really just really struck and resonated with me and with Linda as we were talking about it. So I wondered if you could unpack for us what that means a little bit. As you say, I you know, I promise that Jesus is going to be the hero of the story. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Some of it is just birthed out of uh, when you when you have any kind of leadership, uh, you're this the size of the platform. Uh, oftentimes, you, you have a loud voice. Your voice carries a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes what can happen is whoever's on the platform, whether it's music or speaking or yeah. whoever has the you know the microphone in their hand or the leader, sometimes they become, and I've experienced, I think everybody would say they, as a leader, they've experienced that. And so I appreciate, you know, even you've seen Pastor Rick as he's gone through this journey, talking about his love for Jesus, giving credit to God for what has happened in this church. And early on, I think I developed uh, almost like this value of, I don't, I don't want when I have a platform for me, I don't want to leverage my influence to bring more attention to myself. Mm-hmm. I want to leverage my influence to bring more attention to God and his goodness mm-hmm. and to other people. Mm-hmm. And even like we've had a lot of conversations with the social media team and trying to help them understand how I see social media, which is like mm. this underdeveloped philosophy on social media. Um, but I do have some, some of your core convictions come out of is like a holy discontent. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, this, this is not the way I want it to be. And so there have been times where um, maybe somebody was running my channel and there might be something that comes out on my channel and I'm like, oh, that that's making me way more mm. the hero mm. of the story yeah. than I, I want it to I want to be. Mm. And so that that little language is as much for me as it is for everybody else. It's like Jesus is the hero of the story. He's the one that changes people's lives. He's the one that is the eternal God that is the same yesterday and forever. And he will keep moving. He will keep being the hero of the story. So, you know, when you when you frame it that way, uh, it just makes it more about Jesus. And it also does allow more credit to go to people who are serving and sacrificing mm-hmm. as a part of the story Yeah, as well. Yeah, and especially it's, we just had this vision weekend, and, and you were talking about um, all of these— it was a very cool th- way to do it where we're in the future and we're looking back on the things that has happened through Saddleback. And I just love how we can think about vision and think about goals under this guise of Jesus being the hero of the story. It's mm-hmm. not to promote anything else other than the name of Jesus. Right. Yeah. And so part of like the way I frame that is 
You know, the Romans 4.17 verse that says, God is the God who calls things that are not as though they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So God works with your faith to form the future and form your future. And at the same time, there's like this open-handedness of, and James, when it says like, don't say, you know, I'm going to do this today and tomorrow. It's a surrender. God, God holds the keys to the future. Right. And so there's that balance of bold faith, but humility at the same time. Mm. And that's part of what I I deeply want to live into myself and create culture that is bold with faith, but also humble and trusting God that, you know, it's all, it's all his. Yeah. And (laughs) at the end of the day, who knows how many more years that any of us have. Yeah. So, so a little bit more on vision and just the things that you talked about in your message, they're exciting and they're big and they're bold goals. How do you, how do you process and come up with that? You know, how do you, how do you imagine those things? What's that process of discerning God's vision? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. So the the story in the Bible I think about so often is Nehemiah mm-hmm. and yeah. the journey that Nehemiah went on when he went back to Israel. He noticed that the wall was torn down. Mm-hmm. Said for like some days he sat and he wept. So God will God will grab a hold of our hearts with things that are not the way that they should be. And I think this has happened historically when God builds the church. He, you know, God, God's solution is never a how, it's always a who. Mm-hmm. So every mm-hmm. time in scripture, God wants to solve a problem, he solves a problem with a person. He raises up a man or a woman to solve a problem. And I, I think that my initial calling into ministry uh, came out of uh, a friend of mine that didn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it was my desire to, to be a part of a church that, and to create a church where people like my friend could come to know Jesus. Mm. So that that heart, the more closely I'm connected to that story or people in my life that that right now don't have a relationship with God, the more my heart is in creating vision. So I would say that the heart is a huge part of it. I also believe that understanding what it is that God is capable of doing. Mm. And so when you read the Bible, you look at like, okay, all these stories in the scripture of God, like, is he the same yeah. yesterday, today, and forever? Mm-hmm. And so vision, vision has to be informed by God's capacity, not mine. Mm. And so I, I want to, I, over and over again, that verse Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, not to him who's able to do immeasurably more. Now we could think, ask, or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church forevermore. That verse, all those little components of that verse are so significant. But vision, if it's birthed in God's capacity, God's faithfulness, his power, that changes. Uh, and then on a real practical side is praying and just saying, God, I want I want your vision. I want, mm. I want to hear from you. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Rick kind of jokes about, or may, maybe not jokes, but just says, um, I was one of the few pastors that, created a fresh sermon for Saddleback. Yeah. yeah. And that that's just how I do it. Um, and not that I don't ever repeat sermons because I'll, <laughs> I'll repeat some sermons the sure. next, over the next year of things I've said before, but it's, it's bathed in or baked in God. What do you want to say? What, sure. what is your vision? Yeah. So I, f- I find that when I start there and it doesn't always have to be like, you know, a long drawn out, you know, hours and hours and hours of prayer, but it's before I sit down and I'm like typing even today, um, you know, as I'm praying and asking God, what's the, the vision? And then last week when <laughs> I'm preparing for the sermon um, and I'm sitting there, you know, with my hands open and I'm saying, okay, God, use me, yeah. speak to me. So yeah. bathing it in prayer. Um, but a lot of these components for prayer or for vision have been built over years. So when um, we were going through the interview process with the elders, uh, one of the guys that I, I don't know if you've ever met Doug Slayball. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Doug, what he was giving me a hard time about how fast I turned around some of the stuff that he asked me to come up with. He's like, how do you come up with this in 24 hours? I don't think you really thought this through. Yeah. And then I, I sent him a document that I had created when I was 24, 25. Wow. And I was like, well... Here's this, and you can know it's time-stamped. It's like, yeah. yeah, if you can find somebody in IT to time-stamp it. Like, I made that in my yeah. house in Texas when I was going to seminary. Yeah, 15 uh, years ago. Yeah, so the, all of that is, it's there. 
but then over time things form, right? Like they, they take shape, they shift, they grow. Um, you know, if you listen to Pastor Rick's vision at 27 and you see some of the things, there's a, it's like a Polaroid picture. Right. You get pictures of it. And then over time it, it forms. Um, so sometimes my dreaming has been too small for God. It's mm. like, I, well, I thought this was really big, yeah. you know, and for God, it was really small. So then once I flesh it out mm-hmm. and I like write things down, I will then kind of marinate and try. I don't share everything with everybody. Right. <laughs> right. So I have like for what I shared with the church, there's another document sure. that I have that's more expansive and sure. it, there's more things on it and probably some things that everybody's not ready for sure. or even, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, okay, we'll hold that back. So I try to think in terms of- If I shared this, it would just blow people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> or make them think I'm crazy. So I, I try to like sit with it and say, okay, what's going to, when I share vision, what's going to be helpful to move people towards the vision? Mm. So it's like the, the other Nehemiah principle in that is when he, he didn't share everything immediately, he yeah. sat on it. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of, and I can think back times where I've shared vision pieces with people and they didn't believe me. And I was like, well, I probably premature, like Joseph in the Bible, sure. I prematurely yeah. shared that. Yeah. Probably shouldn't. You're going to yeah. bow down to me. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be awesome. They weren't ready to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> should have waited. So the, I think timing is another, another aspect of yeah. vision. Yeah. That's so powerful. those, those are all, the other part of vision that's so important is breaking vision down mm-hmm. into bite-sized chunks so that people can move and digestible pieces. Yeah. 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 Mm, that's really good. I'm curious in this, in this process with vision, how do you prioritize and kind of think about which ones should we go after first? Which ones should, you know, have to wait? How, how does that process work for you? It's probably um, a process of discernment mm-hmm. in terms of the, uh, the question I like immediately ask is where, where is God at work? Mm-hmm. So where do I see him opening doors, closing doors? Uh, there are ta- there have been times where I've really wanted to do something and then it just wasn't time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this vision for prayer probably two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And some of it, I, I probably should test this off of somebody who's more historical in their knowledge, but <laughs> I heard this story one time that Charles Spurgeon, uh, there were these people that came to his church to like learn from them they're like, what's the secret to what's happening through London Tabernacle? And then they took them under the auditorium where they were meeting. And underneath there was like this group of people that were interceding mm. while these people were in service. And they were like, well, this is the secret of what what's happening. So I had this vision a while back about having people that would intercede nonstop for the church and starting with the weekend. Mm-hmm. So like where they're just praying all throughout the weekend. And that just kind of formed in my mind, but I held it. And then God raised up a leader where we were at Echo. And here's something that was really cool. So um, this weekend, that leader from Echo, good family friend, she's also, her and her husband are on like a prayer shield for our family. So we, we call it a prayer shield. That's they cool. pray for our family. Yeah, And they connected with the prayer team here. here. Uh. And then on, so they, they got a prayer room. They built out a prayer room at the Lake Forest campus already. Um, They built a team. That's exciting. And then for the services, there were a bunch of people from the prayer team at Echo that came and I didn't know they were coming. That's special. So, so so on the commissioning service, we're all like in a room with the prayer team from Saddleback and then all these people. And it was like the, it was actually the most emotional moment of the whole commissioning weekend. Because these every week these these people would pray right before I'd go preach, mm. and they did that for a long time, and so to see that, but that my point in all that is there was there's like a wind that God, it's like it's very clear there's some people there's a prayer group here of people that really had that vision, mm-hmm, and there's some mm-hmm. movement, so it's like well I can lean into that, and that's a vision that's already in my heart. So there there will be things like that, you know, it's like. I share the vision for a leadership college. I don't know when that will happen, sure. but there will be a moment where God will make it clear. 
Maybe mm-hmm. somebody will come and say, oh, I heard the vision for a leadership college and I want to, you know, give, you know, $10 million to start a leadership <laughs> yeah. college. That would be an open door. Yes. They'd be like, oh, okay, well, I, God's at work. I see the wind. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I process it. That's that's incredible. Um, you did talk about in your vision or yeah, in the vision message, the global prayer center. And mm-hmm. it, this kind of flows from what you were just talking about. Talk a little bit about the necessity of prayer for the future of our church. Yeah. Well, okay. So every pastor I know has like some war stories with um, sometimes with prayer people. <laughs> and, um, so this is not the case at Saddleback and this is not the case with the, the group that kind of sent us, I should say at echo. And so I can, I can speak op- openly yeah. sometimes um, people who are really into intercession lose the mission mm. so that the mission can get like off center. Yeah. It just starts getting a little skewed. Yeah. So for example, like without a doubt, I believe God can heal somebody like that. Yeah. Sometimes it's a moment, sometimes it's a process, but our God is a healer. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and I, I want to have a culture that prays for people to be healed and mm-hmm. changed and, and all that. But if, if somebody's getting more excited about an elbow being healed than a person going from death to life mm. and mm. being saved by Jesus, there's a problem with that. Because the greatest miracle is the eternal salvation of a soul, you know, mm. death, the life and eternity with God. So yeah. that like, that's the greatest miracle. So I'm not sure where I was going with all that. <laughs> oh, the global <laughs> yeah, the concept of a prayer yeah. center. Yeah. So what happened with this? So this gal at Echo, this woman, her name is Susie Parks. Hi, Susie Parks. Hi, Susie. I'm not <laughs> sure if you listen to this, but she, she understood more than anybody we'd ever worked with the conjunction of the great commission and prayer mm-hmm. and intercession. So there's a there's a power when you combine the Great Commission with prayer, when prayer is focused on the advancement of the gospel, not just like, oh, we're gonna, you know, pray for Bob because he's, you know, got a hernia or whatever. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a poor Bob. Yeah, poor yeah. Bob. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> yeah. I mean if you're Bob, if you're out there and you have a hernia, we love you yep. praying for your hernia. But um but the point is like that if prayer is not focused on the great commission, then that's problematic. Mm -hmm. So I just, I I'm holding this vision of like a place where there's prayer and this has happened in other spots around the world, but a place where there's prayer that is happening nonstop Mm. around the clock for the global advancement of the great commission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I just have envisioned like this place where, Somehow people come and there's like maybe technology that highlights different groups of people that are not reached mm-hmm. and needs globally. And people would like rearrange their family vacations to come through Southern California to stop by this this place and pray. That's and incredible. so like the I see this as being a really powerful way to to partner with finishing the task. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you had this conjunction of a global prayer effort or maybe a prayer chapel or, mm. you know, it's still kind of in that sure. Polaroid picture. <laughs> um, so to me, it's like, wow, that would, that would be really awesome. Mm. So, well, and I just, I think that there's so much untapped potential because we try a lot of times we try everything else and then it's like, Oh, well, I guess I'm gonna have to pray for right. you know? And so yeah. this is turning it on its head and saying, no, we're going to pray, pray about first. Every, yeah. Pray first and pray always and pray continuously in yes. real time. Yes. And see what God does. Yeah. And some of the things that like we had built out and some of this is just timing. I, I went to this church in London called Holy Trinity Brompton. This is where Nikki and Pippa Gumbel mm-hmm. were for a long time. They, that's where Alpha came out of. They did yeah. the Bible in one year. Um, and I went on this like leadership event and they had this prayer meeting and all their staff were gathered together. And I was like, there, this was probably maybe 2017, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm Stacy and I were there together, mm-hmm. and they had a prayer time with their staff, and it was so powerful. And it was like it, what I'm talking about, like intercession, fast moving, forward focused prayer, like mm-hmm. battlefield type prayer, you mm-hmm. know, at storming the gates of hell prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
you left and it went really fast. You ever been in a prayer <laughs> meeting and you're like, oh gosh, that was, how long was that? I felt like yeah. an hour. And you're like, it was like 15 minutes. Yeah. And it was like, like, wow. Yeah. And then sometimes prayer meetings end up being like a devotional. Yeah. Because nobody really, you know, they just want to share a devotional. And then <laughs> it's like a 40 minute devotional. And you pray for five minutes. So yeah. I, w- I caught a vision and then I was like, well, our staff don't know how to pray yet. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't know. Like even when we have times of prayer, our staff didn't know. So I came back from that immediately, and I'm like, I'm going to start a weekly prayer meeting for the staff. And then we just built it out, and then what happened was everything I just explained happens, so you have to kind of keep bringing it back. Sure. So that's another thing that, like, I'm holding as a vision, you know, trying to figure out the timing and what that looks like here. But there's there's a power when, even if you think about acts, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on. You Please, no, we question. Are, this is the point of okay. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. In the book of Acts, in Acts um, chapter 6, with the, the widows, when there was like the church had grown and there's all, all these like systemic issues and they created a system, uh, which basically allowed for the distribution of groceries, yeah. mm-hmm. like Peace mm-hmm. Center. Yeah. Yep. And at the end of it, it said then the, the apostles... Uh, they turn their attention to the word and to prayer. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it could feel like, well, I'm on s- a staff member, you know, is it okay for me to pray in the middle of the day, you know, or pray? <laughs> it's like, yes, that's, yeah, sure, that's, please. A, that's please. the role of, so things happen. Here's a phrase, things happen when we pray. God does things when we pray that he doesn't when we don't. Mm-hmm. And however you hold that with your theology, God is sovereign, but he responds to people's prayers and so that belief, I think, is a core belief that plays into the mission. Yeah, I just um, uh, last week had uh, on this podcast did an interview with Buddy Owens, and we were talking about prayer. And specifically in that conversation, we were talking about um, why God says no and how do we process that stuff. In that case, it was specifically around healing. And um, he was bringing up that same thing, uh, that same point of um you know, he's saying that he believes that there are things that God will not unleash unless we pray. Mm-hmm. There are things that he gives as gifts, whether we pray or not, but there are some things that that he may hold back unless you pray for it and ask for it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that sounded like that point of talking about, uh, a lot of times we ask ourselves or say like, well, I guess we can pray about it. You know, why not? And, right. and his point was, was, but what happens if you don't pray about it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't ask ourselves, like, you know, sometimes God may say, you didn't ask. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think one of the, maybe one of the possible reasons that people get so stumped on this is we all know somebody who prays a whole lot that mm. we don't really resonate with. Mm, and they're like sure. way more spiritual than us. Yeah. Almost like they're just in a different realm of existence. Yeah. And I, like I had an, I, I had an epiphany. I, um, have a spiritual director. I do Zoom meetings, mm. and mm-hmm. you know, it's this woman who's in her seventies, and mm. we get on Zoom, and she gives me like you know good questions. But I, I had this epiphany from a question that she asked me. Epiphany is a strong word, <laughs> but it's like I overcomplicate sometimes prayer to the point of like sometimes it's really just one to two minutes of sure. like, before I do something, it's like, okay, I'm going to dedicate this to God. Inviting yeah. God in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really, I think that's powerful because a lot of people, they think of prayer and they think of these, like, I need to sit down and I can't forget anything and I have right. to, you know, or, or they just associate prayer with quiet time and it needs to be 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. But just that daily incorporation, you know, as Paul talks about that breathing, you know, mm-hmm. just that idea of, just doing life mm-hmm. with God, just inviting him and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm walking into this meeting or God, we're about to have this podcast, you know, thank you for being here with us. Mm-hmm. And we just are, we look forward to what you have in store through what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. And then the things. conjunction, I think the conjunction of a daily time with God, yeah. mm-hmm. what that does is that just, it overflows into the rest yeah. of our day. So it's like, well, if I start with, if I start my day centering my day mm-hmm. on God and asking for his help, and then throughout the course of the day, I'm more reminded of my need yeah. for his grace. Mm-hmm. Totally. What, and this is kind of changing topics a little bit, but a good tie-in. What do you see are the greatest obstacles and greatest opportunities facing Christians in the world today? 
Oh, wow. That's a big one. <laughs> I oh, did me, not send you these questions in advance. Okay. Okay. Sometimes those are the best responses though, yeah. right? The greatest obstacles and greatest opportunities. All right. Let's start with obstacles. Great. Um, I have a huge heart for like my kids age, college age, sure. late twenties. Mm -hmm. The, in the last, I mean, maybe this has been true forever, but I'm just more aware of it now. There is a very, very clear master plan to, to shape the way mm -hmm. my children think mm -hmm. about life. Mm -hmm. That is swimming a hundred percent opposite mm. of the ways of God. Yeah. And so the, the world is discipling mm -hmm. so rapidly, our children, our families. Uh, my kids got phones a couple years ago, and I'm, I don't know if it, any other parent feels this like tension of, well, do I let them get on that app? And then we've had so many moments where like, well, they get on the app, and then I'm like, no, and then I'm asking parents, and they're all asking the same question. What do question. we do? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then you do, you know, one software to protect, and then that doesn't work the way you thought it would. Da 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 da. All that to say, Mike, my, my boys who are 15 and 13, God bless them, I love them. They would spend their whole life looking mm -hmm. at a screen if I yeah. didn't interrupt it. That's how our, our brains get rewired. Yeah. And, to and we're like that, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. you're, the natural tendency is to go for your phone, but I think. However suspicious you want to be, you want to be, there's one side of it that is a higher overarching demonic reality mm. that is actively working with the value system of the world Absolutely. to to shape the way people think. Mm -hmm. And I would venture to say, and maybe somebody who's older, wiser, more mature than me would say would disagree. But since I have the podcast yeah. microphone, <laughs> yeah, well, I would venture to say it's. It is more opposite the current of the message of Jesus now than it's been in mm -hmm. modern history. Mm -hmm. So the ability to help, that's like such a great challenge to help shape the way people think. There are values and beliefs in our world that perhaps in previous generations, followers of Jesus would have just naturally believed because the value system of culture. But now... When somebody comes to faith in Jesus, there's this whole worldview mm -hmm. yeah. that is being untangled. And mm -hmm. it's not just like, oh, well, this person is greedy and they want to get rich. It's like, no, but their their view of marriage and understanding of what marriage is and their view of the value of life and what that yes. means. All these things are like concurrent to what we believe. But then, so if you're a church that is trying to help people grow from like totally unchurched, mm -hmm. you can't, you don't want to say things in a way that are hostile to culture right. because the, the culture in essence is not really the enemy. Like we've, we've never tried to be the kind of church at Saddleback or, you know, the church we started, yeah. we've never tried to be a church that's known by what we're against. We want to be known by what, what we're, we're for. for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have this tension of saying things in a way, and I would say this bridges into the opportunity sure because as much as i i mean i will never speak negatively about other churches but i think that there are very few voices mm -hmm. that lean into that are leaning into the complexity mm -hmm. of culture in a way that doesn't alienate people who are far from god yeah and so coming in to and you got me into this, so I'll go, I'll go <laughs> Please, into it. Dive. Um, I, one area that I'm very passionate about is training and equipping people to think about mm -hmm. marriage from a biblical point of view, mm. um, but doing it in a way that is loving towards people who don't see it the same way that we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that process of leaning into that conversation for me is just something that I, I feel like and people need help with that. So, well, and so long answer. No, I think, but I, th I think it's so very true because what we've seen is the complete swing of the pendulum, right? Where if we go back in time to like the fifties and the eighties, then it was, it was kind of the Christian culture that was mostly dominant right. in America at least. And then you started to sway towards 
relativism, which is like, well, it's your way is my way, whatever. We're all good. And now it's become the complete opposite of, no, it's the other way. And if you think anything else, you're wrong. Not right. you have your own way. Great. It's a, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's connected to deconstructionism, right? Yes. It's the, it's basically the tearing down of a way of thinking, a way of life, a way. Yeah. But, but what I'm hearing you say and what said with, what sounds like a really wise way to go about it is our response is not you're wrong. It's come check this out. Mm-hmm. It's that Jesus come and see what yeah. Jesus has to offer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And there's see. you, I think you have to look at some of these conversations through the lens of evangelism and through the lens of discipleship. Yeah. And what I, it, I had a, like a, a switch in my thinking when I started to realize, okay, some of these things I just have to address as a loving shepherd through mm-hmm. the filter of discipleship. And it's not that in the, the addressing of the conversation, I'm going to just forget lost people who are far from God, but I'm, I have to, I have to address this. I have to first think through the lens of discipleship. And then once I think through the lens of how do I help somebody who's a follower of Jesus grow through this area, then I put the, the filter on how do I communicate in a way that doesn't unnecessarily alienate me from somebody who doesn't have the same yeah. beliefs as I do. Mm. And I so, go, go ahead. Okay. The, okay. One more thing on this, please. The, what is ha- what happened in COVID? If you, I don't know if you guys ever saw, saw the social dilemma. Did mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. So the social dilemma, people get in their own echo chambers and the gospel, the message of Jesus pushes on the left and it pushes on the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there. And what happens is somebody who's really, in their echo chamber and a Christian on the left and on the right. And sometimes people who are like on the extremes will say, I don't know how you could be a Christian and be there. Over there. <laughs> right, right, right. And the, when you study the Bible, there are things on both sides mm-hmm. of the political divide that the Bible really deals with the sin in both camps and preaches to yeah. that. And so even in COVID um, part of what I did was I had a lot of conversations with people who saw things differently. Yeah. <laughs> so then I could be like, you know, I mean, I was confused for a while. Sure. But then I could be like, okay, well, I can I can be a unifying force and challenge on both extremes beliefs that are not what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's another podcast for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so many podcasts. There's a lot that we could pull out from all these things, which would be amazing. Um, I wanted. I, I would be remiss. Obviously, this is a doable discipleship, and we are the spiritual growth team. Um, in the Vision Weekend, as you talked about the opportunity for discipleship in the realm of technology, mm-hmm. um, I wondered if you could unpack that more just a little bit for us uh, on this platform. Yeah, well, if you think about it back to the whole idea of, how much you have your phone in your hand. Yeah, sure. Right. It, the, it's like when you open up your phone and you, you're like, okay, well, which app am I going to go to? And so I have this like aura ring. Yeah. And part of what's been interesting is how my sleep has really been hijacked by <laughs> this whole journey. And I'm, I'm actually, I have my best night of sleep after commissioning weekend that I've had in six months. Oh, good. Wow. It's like a piece. Yes. It's like yes. a little more. So, yeah. But, the so I like I reach for that app pretty quickly in the morning, mm. right? So you're you're reaching for something on your phone. You open it for a reason. So what if when you reach for when you click on an app, your mind could be programmed like the Bible app, right? Yeah. It's like, well, let that be one your first or one of your first apps of the day. So there there's an opportunity to take all the great components of 101, 201, 301, 401 mm. and customize create a custom and this was not a replacement for 101 201 301 401 but to create more tools in people's hands and there's already stuff in play here at saddleback so it's taking some of those tools to say okay what if there was a customizable way to help somebody grow spiritually and do it in the context of relationship but then we're putting tools in people's hands yeah how they access yeah how they access it (laughs) So I think that that's, that's the idea of the vision, you know? That's great. Yeah. 
And just to clarify for people who aren't from Saddleback who are listening, who are 101, 201, why is he shouting numbers? <laughs> 101 is fellowship, 201 discipleship, 301 ministry, 401 evangelism. Just so, just in case you were wondering. In a nutshell. What, what that was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Andy, I wanted to thank you so much for your time. I wanted to hit a couple of rapid fire, getting to know you questions. Awesome. And then we want to uh, end with a, a last question to uh, to tie bow on this thing. Awesome. So, are you prepared for Jason's rapid fire <laughs> questions? I'm ready. <laughs> I haven't done one of these in a while and I miss it. So I'm excited for this. Okay. Getting to know Andy Wood. Number one, favorite food? Steak. There we go. Wait. Okay. What kind of cut of steak? Um, if I could do a bone in filet. There you go. Medium. Okay. Barbecue sauce? On the steak? No. Steak? Okay. Just nice. Just okay. straight Just up going. steak. Yeah. I like it. I love uh, Shuhascaria, which is Brazilian okay. steak. Mm-hmm. There you There's go. There's a cut there called Picanha, and it's like a unique to uh, Brazilian meat. And, and have you found that here? Yeah. Okay. Um, at Fogo de Chao. Uh-huh. There you go. Okay. I was going to say, I've, I've heard it's great. I haven't been there yet, but okay. I have to check that out. Okay. Favorite the food benefit of eating there is yeah. you get unlimited. It's like the one place where you, you know, you buffet. They come around with the steak and mm-hmm. you keep it on green. I didn't realize that. I yeah. like, okay, I got it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Favorite food was steak. Number two, favorite movie. Oh, man. Um, probably, I really like Gladiator. Nice. Uh, I mean, I don't watch it, but that. Are you not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's one of my favorite. I like those kind of movies. I um I also like Jason Bourne type nice. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm like you know just wanting a movie to kind of check out, I find some Liam Neeson movie. I like Liam Neeson movies. Well, you got like the Taken, very unpredictable, nonstop. Yeah. Uh, what was the one on the train? I don't remember. But yeah. yes, okay. They're oh. all almost essentially the exact same storyline, <laughs> but they're. I'm picturing people come to you from staff. They have this idea, this pitch, and you just do the Commodore thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Is, is that your approach to <laughs> yeah. uh, the gladiator? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, favorite book of the Bible, or you could take it as one that you just find yourself in the most. Mm. Well, I think last time you asked me this question, I said um, I had more of an appreciation for Ecclesiastes. Uh, you did talk about Ecclesiastes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the book that I've been in a lot in this journey is Proverbs. Mm. Uh, just asking God for wisdom, just praying uh, kind of the chapter of the day. This is something I, I did in my early 30s. I had a mentor say, if you, if you want to like rapidly grow in wisdom, mm. uh, read the book of Proverbs, do the chapter a day. Mm-hmm. And so I do my read through the Bible plan. Yeah. And then I probably don't get every day in Proverbs, but I'm, you know, at least a few times a week. And then I'll just pray for one or two, like, things to chew on. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I remember um, Dave Arnold, one of our elders here, uh, told me once he would try to do a chapter of Psalms and a chapter of Proverbs every day. Um, and then just go and cycle through those along with his other um a book that he's in for quiet time or yeah. whatever. That's cool. Um, favorite sport and then favorite sports team. Mm. Well, this is a complicated answer. Okay. We're going to dive into this. I'm going to yeah. set aside about five minutes to unpack. <laughs> so I grew up in Michigan and I have like a deep diehard commitment to the Pistons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had season tickets. This was when. Great Isaiah in the Thomas. 90s. Yeah. yeah it was so. They won two championships while I was a kid, and we had season tickets. Cool. So that 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 you'll probably never grind out. Oh, no, you me. got that in yeah. there. I also they're not so good right I now. I was, it, uh, yeah, they're not. <laughs> they, but they look good with Cade. They got they got they got stuff to move forward. Right now, the the one thing I really do have to cheer from in Michigan, where I grew up, is U of M football. Yes, so I I love U of M football. Um, and then I started to like the 49ers when we lived in the Bay Area. But I'm not like die hard. Okay. Um, but I love football and I love basketball. Okay. I think they're both fantastic sports. I'm not somebody who will make fun of international sports either <laughs> or soccer or anything like that. They're they're great. But 
Um, I've just gotten into F1, so I will try to convert you to. Oh, really I hear. F1. Yeah, that's what I hear. There's a few staff members that are really into F1. Y- yes, me, John Cassetto, yes. Rob Jacob. Yeah, we're yeah. I, I, I we'll talk I'm, about that I'm offline. Open. I'm really in. But the, <laughs> you know, the decision I'm really praying through right now is: should I be a, a Rams fan, or okay. should I be a Chargers fan? Well, because I know we have some Chargers that go to Saddleback. I, I have been a Chargers fan since 2000 maybe 2000 like that. So if I could, if I could bring you onto the chargers camp. <laughs> well, the, I um, <laughs> I asked one of my friends who's from here, who should I cheer for? And he said, well, if you want good tickets, be a chargers fan. Oh my gosh. Mm. That's well, what he said. That's, that's kind of a slight. I would <laughs> yeah. say, I would say you could have the Niners as your NFC team and the chargers as your AFC <laughs> team. So you don't like the Rams? The Rams are in the same division as the Niners, so you can't really become a Rams fan. You got to have a... Well, Matthew Stafford was the quarterback for the Lions for a long time. That's so true. Like so that. you have a... I can, uh, I can he's understand a pretty, that. He's a pretty classy guy. Now, I do have another kind of funny thing. So I used to not like Tom Brady, but then the... He was lo- from U of M. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, part of it was just... I mean, there were some... Games he won that he won against teams I liked, and then I was gotcha. like, eh. But then I read a, <laughs> then I read a book that is was like his story, and then I was like, oh, this guy's like pretty close to my age, and he's yeah. still rolling. He's yeah. older than me. Yes, he's, he's forty five. Five yeah. years, four years older than yeah. me. So I, I kind of like have this Tom. He's a, he's my quarterback for my fantasy. Okay. Team. All the like kids were passing him up, and I'm like. You, go, you don't I'll understand go for the, I'll go consistency. For yes. <laughs> well, okay. I, I'm going to try my best to get you into F1 and Chargers. Uh, I got my I got my goals here. Um, what's your Enneagram number? I am an eight on the Enneagram with a pretty strong seven wing. Okay. So okay. I could see that. I'm a I'm nine. A, Linda's I'm a, six. a six. Oh, awesome. The six is the loyalist? Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> You're the peacemaker. I'm the peacemaker. So you guys get along really well. Yes, we do. (laughs) I want to get along with everybody. That's the peacemaker part of me. I want everybody to be happy. And (laughs) Um, okay, what is your go-to music to listen to? Uh, I love to listen to worship music. I mean, I just um, is there a song or a certain group that you just are really into right now? Mm, Besides Saddleback worship, yeah, Saddleback worship's <laughs> number one. Yeah, uh, it's just always rotating for me. I, you know, I like to listen to fresh, new songs. Cool. Uh, one song this whole season that's m- meant a lot to mm-hmm. me is from Foundation mm-hmm. by Maverick City. Yeah, um, and then there's the Worthy of My Song by mm. Phil Wickham. Okay, and Maverick City. Yeah. So I, yeah, I almost happened. always have worship music or a podcast mm-hmm. or Audible, some book going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I always have podcasts going. I, yes. I get that. Um, okay. Favorite vacation. Doable discipleship podcast. Yes. Doable discipleship. There you go. <laughs> yes. Favorite vacation you've ever been on? The best vacation I've ever been on in my entire life was a trip to Cabo, mm. San nice. Lucas. Fun. Uh, um, was this a cruise or was this just going? No, to it was the only time. Yeah. Well, I, I should, let me just think through my words. <laughs> I stayed at a really nice hotel. Okay. It was, an, it was, helpful. yes, it was nicer than any hotel I'd ever stayed in. We got a really good deal. Yeah. And it was like time of year that very few people were traveling, but it was still nice. Hurricane there. season. You're yeah, like, yeah. great. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, it made a big difference. That's cool. That's yeah. special. And then last one on the rapid fire, which, you know, we, we do like to talk through the rapid fire. Um, favorite thing so far about living in Southern California? Oh, man. There's a lot to like. I, I like that. I don't know how much this will make sense if you live in it. Sure. But there are a lot of things to love about the Bay Area. Uh, one of the things that was very challenging and is very challenging, anybody that lives there would tell you, uh, it's so hard with so many people in such tight corridors mm-hmm. and, uh, there's a, there's a pressure mm-hmm. traffic and all that. And I know that there's traffic in Orange County and Southern California as well, but it just generally feels more laid back. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And so that's been good. 
for me, for my personality. That's cool. I like yeah. that. Because I'm not really relaxed myself. <laughs> to be in a relaxed. It's going to start to grow on you. Yes. Hopefully it'll chill me out. It'll chill you yeah. out. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Our last question we want to wrap up with is, how can our listeners be praying for you right now? Mm, that's a great question. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, Linda. Thank you, Jason, <laughs> for letting me be a part. Thank you for all that you guys are doing to help people in their journey spiritually. It's a great podcast and such a great resource. And it's been a privilege to be here with you. <laughs> uh, I would say pray for me personally, for vision, for wisdom mm-hmm. as I make decisions. Uh, pray for Stacy as she kind of steps into her role and mm-hmm. she'll, she'll have a, she'll be teaching in the next series. Excited for so that. Kinda, That's awesome. I pray often for confidence for her. Mm-hmm. Um, with the gifts and call that God's placed on her life. Um, my kids pray for them to find and be connected to good, mm-hmm. godly kids. Mm-hmm. That's my that's one prayer I Love pray that. for all my kids. Almost every day I pray, God, help them be drawn to the right people. Because mm-hmm. we all know one of the most important decisions we make is the people yeah. we surround So true. With. So they're starting small groups with uh, HSM, JHM and mm-hmm. SK. That's cool. And I just pray that God would form friendships for them that become lifelong friendships that help them be on the right path. I pray the same thing for my four-year-old, two-year-old, and one-month-old. I find my because it's just that they're starting to develop those friends, right? And so I find myself thinking, okay, I'm going to start praying now for the yes. friends they're going to have yes. in the future for that exact reason. I get that. <laughs> That's cool. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on at some point again to dive deeper into the stuff that we were talking about here and the stuff that we're going to be hearing about. Um, Friends, make sure to go online again starting this coming weekend. Andy is starting a series, I believe a four-week series uh, called Uncommon Courage, which you talked about, and you can find that on saddleback.com slash watch. And for, and then Andy's podcast, he, a leadership podcast, will be coming back at some point, too. At some point, So yes. we're looking forward to that again coming back yeah. up. Um, so, friends, we love you, and we're praying for you, and we will uh, be back with another new episode next Tuesday. Have a good week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week